0: Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now let's dive into conversation. All right, so we are officially live. I'm here with my friend Nathan Seiner. And Nathan, you're one of the few guests who has come on the Book of Podcasts now for a second time. You're a return guest. Uh, thanks so much for making time to, to chat with us today.
1: Thanks for having me again. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. And and for those of our listeners who didn't have the opportunity to listen to episode number six, so this was kind of early when we first started Boca, and you and your wife Ashley were gracious enough to allow me to interview you actually in person in Indiana. But for those of our listeners who didn't hear that first episode, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and, and your business.
1: Well, I'm located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, We're just on the north side in Fishers. Uh, My wife, Ashley, and I have been in business since 2010. I started shooting um, photography back in 2009 uh, and uh, launched into it by myself first. And then I started to realize that, you know, the workload was picking up and we needed to hire somebody else on. And so my wife quit her full-time job, came on full-time as well um, in 2010 then. So only a year after we started. Um, and we launched into it uh, together uh, before we had kids. Our goal was to travel around and photograph the world, basically. And so we moved out of state. We're starting to do that. And then we got pregnant about three months into that. And so uh, we, we changed our, our business model very quickly to accommodate that. And after much prayer and like consideration between each other and listening to what each of our goals were, um, we decided to move back to Indiana um, and launch into a wedding photography business here in Indiana, um, focused more around weddings and families shoots as well. Um, and since then, we have uh, built on to a senior brand. And in, in this past year, we can talk maybe more, a little bit more later about this too. But we're launching more into fashion photography in the future as well. And uh, we're just super excited to to be working together on a lot of things. Uh, obviously. Uh, As everybody knows, working with your spouse is probably not the easiest thing. (laughs) For sure. And and, um, and we have our ups and downs. Um, Our day in, day out looks a lot different probably than other people's day uh, does. But for us, we just think that um, just trying to Work together and and focus on our family was a very important role for us. So we built our business a lot off of our family and what we wanted to do with our family and spend the most time with our family. Um, And I know there's a lot of different uh, beliefs out there of how to run your business within photography. But for us, we found what worked for us and we, we ran with that.
0: That's awesome, and and wow, I just love this intro. It's loaded with lots of great information, and and I want to touch on a couple of things. Uh, one is just this this focus that you have on family. We're going to actually dive into this on a much deeper level here in just a few minutes. But the first time that you and Ashley came on the Book of Podcast, we talked about balancing family and business, and it's I, I almost hesitate to use that term anymore because it's kind of cliche, and really in the end, it's very subjective. But you you mentioned that as well, and I, I find that really interesting. The fact that you've created uh, not only a business, but a business that supports a lifestyle that you want, and that lifestyle is largely centered around family, family time. Before we hit the record button today, um, you talked about the fact that Ashley's been taking some time, uh, well, really both of you guys have been taking some kind of easy time, some, some more laid-back time on your day-to-day life. Uh, before you get into the busy season and i love that i love that first of all that you've created a business that enables you to do that but then ultimately and going back to our original point of conversation the fact that you've prioritized making time for each other and for your family especially before things get a little bit busier during the season um do, do you specifically schedule your your shooting season so that it enables that kind of free time kind of an off season if you will
1: well here in indianapolis i don't know um if it's like this everywhere, but we have a down season uh, because of the weather. Uh, people, a lot of people don't get married between December and March here. Um, and so early on in our career, we didn't realize that. And so we didn't schedule any money aside. We just like, oh, yeah, money's going to be coming in, you know, like it is during the summer months, you know, where we're uh, booking a lot of weddings and shooting a lot of weddings. And then the first couple of years, we realized, wow, this gets pretty slow during these months. Um, and so since then, we have been able to um, offset those months by saving during our summer months, um, and just putting money aside into a separate bank account. And then we pull from that bank account during our slow months, That's awesome. Um, which that works great for uh, our schedule too. Cause then we can travel, we can do things with the kids. Um, there's, our kids are five and four right now, so they're still in preschool. Um, so we have a lot of flexibility right now with our schedule where we can pull them out of school and they're not really missing too much. Right. And, and we're really just trying to experience you know life with our kids during this time Uh, now if we have more kids or you know later once they start uh, full-time school that's going to look a lot different for us and that's actually what we've been talking a lot about this year is what our life's going to look like you know in the next two years three years when they're in full-time school Uh, and so but we built our business so that um, we do shoot specific times throughout the week. You know, Tuesdays and Thursday evenings are great for shoots for us. Ashley has Bible study on Wednesday nights. Um, and then out and then we usually shoot you know weddings on Saturdays. So outside of that, though, Um, you know, it's very open and sometimes we'll shoot, you know, on Sunday evenings after church or uh, we try to leave Friday night open for friends, but we understand that, you know, like sometimes there's rain that happens and we need to reschedule shoots. And so we, we build in some days so that we have rescheduled dates if we need it.
0: Well, and that very proactive effort up front to, first of all, create some structure, um, Mm -hmm. I think is a really smart idea for photographers. I talk about this a lot when it comes to the notion of how to to kind of maximize the amount of free time that we have, or the flexibility that we have as business owners, you guys are living this. Um, you've yes. created enough structure that kind of drives your what what you do in a week, but then it also enables the freedom and the flexibility as well. I love that it's not too stringent a schedule that that you can't kind of make some adjustments, you know, make time for friends, or maybe on what is normally a friend night, you you allocate a little bit of time to go take care of another shoot that needs to happen. But um, I think that sounds like a really wonderful, I will use the word one more time, balance <laughs> between kind of prioritizing business and family life. And again, we're going to touch on, on your relationship with your kids here in just a second. But uh, something that I've dove into here in the last two or three episodes at the Boca podcast is the idea of brand position. Um, and I'm really curious on your take on, on this idea, of what your business stands for there in the, the local indie industry, because really, that's a, probably a relatively large industry, right? Pretty crowded with a lot of photographers.
1: It really is. And um, when we first got started, we, we were very discouraged as trying to figure out what that meant for us. We were trying to model it off of a lot of what other photographers were doing. And a lot of the photographers we were following were in different markets, um, and even some that we followed here in Indianapolis. Um, they had been shooting a lot longer, so they had that experience that they could offer and we didn't have that at first. So we had really talked about what can we do that will set us apart. And, um, and one of the things Ashley is great at, she just loves people and she loves, you know, being around people. She, like, she would probably be out of our house 90% of the time, just talking, hanging out with people if she could. And, um, and so we wanted to build our life off of, or our business off of, um, just that experience that we can offer. Um and so we've really tailored our business off of who we are. And that's why um, our business is the signers photography. I know a lot of people are using their names in their business now, but we really wanted to to do that to let people know it's about us. And obviously at a at a certain level of photography, you're gonna expect good images and you right. expect good pictures out of a wedding. Um and so we didn't we didn't really we feel like the price was gonna, you know, signify that and then you know our work would speak for itself. Um, and, and we wanted to set apart that, you know, we're going to get to know you. We're, you know, we're going to take you out to dinner before the wedding. We're going to, you know, really, um, uh, try to get to know your family and who you are and follow up with you, whether that's through, you know, social media. Um, you know, cause we, we don't have the time to, you know, shoot 25 weddings a year. Um, and for the past, you know, what is that? Seven, eight years now, that's a lot of time that would go into that. But, um, we do take, try to take effort with everybody, whether it's through social media, just to follow up with them. Uh, or you know, whether it's getting dinners with them after the wedding or even th- anything like that.
0: That's really uh, you know it, it's easy to to simply talk about what the business represents. But at the end of the day, you're working directly with these clients. This isn't a massive corporation with you know two hundred people in it. It's the two of you. And if you can build your business around the relationships that you have with your network, um, I, I think that's a really, really powerful. Uh, Not necessarily a position, because there are a lot of photographers that are are at least beginning to take this approach now. They realize the significance of the relationship. Um, But what that does give you access to is a very specific network of people, um, at least your your most immediate network. Uh, Those may be friends, family initially, especially for photographers that are just getting started. They can Mm -hmm. begin to build their business around the relationships with those closest to them and then they can expand their network from there. We're all connected to well, a relatively large number of people today, um, particularly uh, through social media and so forth, but even on a personal level, people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. And that gives us a really great platform to build a business, to launch a business, but then to continue to build a business. Um, and, and again, at the end of the day, the, kind of the flip side of this is while we have access to ultimately millions of people through social media, uh, whether it's through just simply posting or actually actively running ads through Facebook and Instagram and so forth, um, people want to feel like they aren't just another name, another so-called friend on Facebook. They want to feel like they actually know you and have a connection with you. So that fact that you're, you're focusing on a relationship with your client, uh, I know that makes all the difference in the world. I certainly experienced the significance of that when I ran uh, or helped run a photography business for about 10 years and mm-hmm. and it's so much more enjoyable an experience too just from the standpoint of being a business owner and a photographer right it doesn't feel kind of empty and cold you're actually developing genuine relationships with these clients and that makes it just much more enjoyable type of business style of business to run yeah. so
1: that's in our, in our- Clients really get to know who we are as well, and, and social media has helped with that as well, but, you know, they know that we're family-oriented, and they know that we love having our kids with us as much as possible. Well, even, like, last year, we even had a client, um, they, their family has a cabin down in southern Indiana, and they were like, we want you to bring the kids to the engagement session. They wanted to do it down at that cabin, um, and then they let us stay for the weekend at that cabin and, and said, you know, bring the kids. We'd love for you guys to stay here free of charge at the cabin for the weekend, um, after the engagement session and they, you know they had the hot tub all set up, they had the campfire going for us. it was amazing, just like the the fact that that it, it showed through of what our brand really was to the clients and they could see how important that was to us and it's important to them too. And uh, another example was a couple years ago we even had a client um, as a wedding gift to us. I mean, of all things, um, usually you know you're, everyone talks about trying to get wedding gifts for your clients. Right. but they, they got us a gift and it was a, a yearly membership to the Children's Museum. Um, and they knew how important kids, our kids were to us, and so they did that for us. And, and that just like, spoke volumes to us of like, what our brand was and the way that we have structured our life. And, um, and a lot of times, you know, when we first started, people were like, you know, don't take kids to this, don't do that. But I mean, if you can structure it in a way where it's very respectful you know, when you bring your kids, when you don't bring your kids, um, how to like involve them within your business? I think that you can make it work for you, uh, and that's one thing that we found. Now, I wouldn't say we would bring them to a corporate shoot, or you know, we're not going to bring them on the wedding day, you know. But you know, people realize that you know we love spending time with our kids, and it's not going to interfere with our shooting their engagement session. Um, and if they've gotten to know our kids, then they, they're completely fine with us bringing them, you know, from time to time. That's really uh,
0: interesting. Do you do you feel like that at all affects the the professionalism of your brand. I mean, I understand the idea that they're these clients. I mean, it sounds like you've you've created wonderful relationships with these people. The fact that they would do these things for you. Uh, but do you feel that that gets in the way of the professionalism of your brand, how you represent your brand? Because I know that you know, for example, if I'm if I'm just looking at um, kind of the, the 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 mom or or dad photographer at home who's wanting to to launch a business. And um, they're kind of just struggling to get started and are doing whatever they possibly can to, to get a few clients. Um, or if, even if I was personally in that position, that, would, that wouldn't be the first thing that I would do in order to try to make a good impression. So this is a really interesting approach to me. I'd be curious to get your take on that.
1: Well, I think you have to kind of gauge your kids' personalities as well. And um, obviously, there's going to be some shoots where our son is very more type A, likes to have systems in place. He's very articulate, very well-spoken for himself, and our daughter is more of the free spirit, if you will, and so she, I wouldn't necessarily take her to all the <laughs> shows um, yeah. than my son, and my son actually, he, I he has my first camera I ever owned, which was a Nikon D5000, um, was my first camera, and I've, I've given it to him, and that's his camera, so whenever we go to photo shoots, he will actually shoot as well, um, he doesn't do that all the time, but he, he, whenever he wants to, he'll get his camera out and he'll start shooting. And I just think it's great to, to involve your kids, especially as a small business. I mean, I feel like the photography industry of all industries, it's almost like the, the old school mom and pop shops. And people really, um, they really connect with that, I think, a lot of times. Um, and I think a lot of times we try to make too much of this professionalism within the workplace, but really, cause really we are a mom and pop shop, you know, and sure. people realize that we have a family. Um, but obviously for the larger jobs, for, you know, larger corporate jobs or, um, more high profile clients, we, we probably wouldn't do that right at first unless they got to know the kids and asked for the kids to come. Um, which does happen a lot. That's um, really but interesting. At, but at the same time, it's like. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to have my daughter come to every shoot because she just doesn't love it and she's not <laughs> that. And so she's going to get bored and she's going to want to, you know, have get the attention. She don't like to have a lot more attention than our son does. Um, and so I'm going to gauge the the kids' personalities. And so I wouldn't say it's good for everybody to do, uh, but it works for us. And that's what we have done, I guess.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I think this is a beautiful segue to what I really wanted to dive into conversation with you today about, which is your relationship, your personal relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when I had you and Ashley on the podcast last year, we talked about balancing family life. And, and of course, already today you've emphasized the focus that you've put on prioritizing family life. But you mm-hmm. wrote a really interesting blog post uh, I guess about three weeks or so ago talking about your relationship with your kids. And so I kind of want to dive into that. And when you, when you posted this on Instagram, um, you said, I think my kids have been teaching me more than I've been teaching them. Mm -hmm. So I'd be curious to kind of dive into what you've learned from your kids. And, And really even before that, what, what spurred this blog post and this Instagram post in the first place?
1: So what this post was about was just things I've been learning as a parent over the past year. And, um, the, the little tag I did on Instagram was, you know, I feel like they've been teaching me more than I've been teaching them. And, um, I'm more of an introverted personality. I'm a little bit more shy when it comes to meeting people, things like that. Um, and I don't know if I've always been that way, but that's how I am now. Um, and so I've been sitting here thinking, you know, I see my kids, they're very outgoing kids, very extroverted kids. And that's exactly how my wife is. But, you know, what along the way has changed me inside to make me more introverted or what has, um, has made me, you know, be more skeptical of people. And so I was sitting there just thinking about that and, um, and just, just praying that like my kids would not be jaded by the world and they wouldn't be, um, bogged down with all of that anxiety that sometimes comes, you know, with, as an introvert, um, with, you know, social situations. And, and I was just trying to figure out like, you know, what happened along the way. And, or it's probably been more than one time that has, you know, made me feel rejected towards people or made me feel hurt. And I've shut down and put up a wall towards people. Right. Uh, and, and I, and that's really what spurred that, that post.
0: So you mentioned in that blog post, um, if, if I can, I'm just going to read a little segment of it. It's quite yeah. interesting to me. But you said, as I watch him jump and you're referring to your son, Zeke, who says five, As I watch him jump out of the car, walk into school and start up conversations and laughter with his friends with such a calm and cool attitude, I'm honestly in awe for several reasons. This first is his innate willingness to love other people. Without abandon, he looks to serve others and love on them. And, And then I'll skip down here to the second thing that you mentioned you're in awe of. You say, second thing I'm in awe of is how easily my son and daughter can make friends. They do not meet a stranger. They're determined to find a common interest with someone just so they have a reason to play together. That baffles me. Over the past 30 years while I've been growing up on the outside my ability to maintain and manage positive life-giving relationships has stopped growing and even reversed in many areas. Mm-hmm. Throughout this past year I've sat and often wondered where along the way someone has stolen these pieces of childlike hope and energy for real community from inside of me. And so what you talk about in this blog post is how you're trying to you're struggling to find a balance between trying to Protect your kids so that they maintain that beautiful innocence. And, and I, when you're talking about this idea of, of of innocence in your children, I still think back to a picture of my daughter very vividly. Um, she's about three years old, and the way that her eyes would just absolutely light up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't just a, a matter of smiling with her mouth, but her eyes just came alive. And um, you know, anytime. Over the, over the years, and she's 12 now and certainly hit that kind of preteen, middle school stage, and, and there have been some ups and downs. And anytime I don't see that, that light in her eyes, it gets to me, bothers me, and I'm asking the question, what can I do to, to get that back? So I, I totally understand the struggle that, that you're having, um, but you, you were talking about that trying to balance the desire to protect your kids and their simple innocence while simultaneously giving them freedom to just do life. So talk a little bit about what you've learned about that.
1: Well, I, I'm still learning, I guess. So um, I, my kids are five and four, and I mean this is going to be different for every kid as well, because, um, the, like I said, the way I talk with my son and the way I talk with my daughter is going to be very different. Uh, my son can, he's very understanding, so I can actually have a, a you know a very deep conversation with him, whereas my daughter is a lot more it's a lot more surfacey, at least at her age right now. And so I'm 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 trying to gauge like where they're at. Um, and just trying to, like you said, protect their hearts going forward. Um, especially within our business and, and how it relates to that. Um, uh, because I I feel like a lot of times, um, I, you know, I, I can get caught up in work or I can get caught up in things and not actually take time to listen to them hmm. and listen to their needs. And, and as a kid, their needs, you know, might seem silly to me, but to them, that that means everything to them, you know, for sure. Um, and, um, so I, I kind of listed out some things in the post of just things I've been thinking about that um, that I needed to to work on and things that I've noticed that, you know, helped me um, navigate through this. And I don't know if you want me to start touching on those, but I can kind of start going through those five points that, that I kind of have come up with.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, I, you know, this is really, some, some of our listeners may be a little bit surprised that we're diving into such a personal topic. But, you know, the reality is that, first of all, we have a lot of, parent photographers in our industry and as much as we need to talk about business we need to study business we need to get better in business the reality is that our personal lives have such a heavy effect on what we do in business and even how we run our business i know that that's true pretty much on a at least a weekly if not daily basis for me and i have to i have to be careful of that as well but i think this is extremely relevant uh, to so many people listening in so yeah definitely share A little bit of what you've learned about how to find this balance and raising your children.
1: Yeah, so within our business, I think the number one thing for us uh, within our business and within our home life is to trust God. And for us, I know there's maybe a lot of different views out there, but for us, what that means is that, you know, we trust Jesus Christ to, to, you know, we follow in His His will for our life, if you will. Um, And a lot of times, you know, it doesn't look like what we necessarily wanted it to look like. Um, but when we take a step back and just trust God that things were, are going to work out, um, and work out for his good, then it does work out and, and stop being so anxious about things. And then that comes down to our kids with, um, you know, with things where I'm sitting here worried that they're going to, um, you know, they're going to be hurt. They're going to be all this. They probably will be, but I just need to trust that, you know, that's going to work out in their life sure. uh, and not be so anxious about that. And I'll touch a little bit more on that too. I, I, and, and, basically this past year has been really tough for us because um, when it comes to childcare um, within our business, and I know a lot of parents out there are probably struggling, struggling with that same issue because, you know, how do you find somebody that you trust? Um, And for us, you know, for the first three years of their life, we didn't trust anybody but family to watch them. Um, And so we had the the benefit of living right near both sets of grandparents. And um, for every shoot that we had, Um, either Ashley's parents or my parents would watch the kids for us, which is an amazing blessing that we had. Well, this past year, what we've been struggling with is Ashley's parents have decided to move down to Honduras to become full-time missionaries. Oh, wow. So, so their, their time has been taken away because, you know, they're getting their house ready to sell. They're, you know, trying to raise funds to go down there and their, their focus now has kind of shifted more to, to trying to launch into that. Uh, and so they're not able to necessarily watch the kids as much as they were. They're still watching them a lot and are extremely thankful for that. And then my mom has been going through a lot of um, back surgeries over the past couple years with a back infection that she had. So we're we're really trying to navigate through all that. And we're like, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, so about a year ago, we started talking about maybe we need to restructure our business so that one of us, only one of us goes to shoots or something like that. But then we had Um, just randomly a couple um, sitters that uh, one of them goes to church with us and then the other one we met through a a mutual friend um, approach us and say, hey, you know, we would love to uh, sit for your kids um, in exchange for photo shoots. So we don't even have to be out money for this because one of one of them is an aspiring model and she needed a portfolio. And so we've been doing portfolio images for her um, modeling portfolio in exchange for babysitting for us. And the other one is a, is a food blogger and she's an aspiring, um, she, she calls herself an, an aspiring food network, um, channel, uh, person. And so, um, we've been trading, you know, photo and video for her in exchange for our kids. So that, I think that comes down to just a trusting God. I mean, we didn't have that on the radar that what, you know, we were, you know, anxious about like, how, how's this all going to work? And it all worked out for us now, you know, it's not going to work out like that every single time, but you still have to trust that it's going to work out.
0: Sure. Totally makes sense.
1: And the second thing was just to trust your kids, because for us, it's been, you know, five, almost six years now of instilling values into our kids. Um, for other people out there, like you know, like yourself, you've been doing it for 15, 10, 15 years, you know, and you're the one that's been instilling those values within your kids. So you have to trust that at some point those values are going to come through your kids. And, you know, and those, those values in those tough situations um, are going to shine through. Um, and, that, and that's very tough to do, uh, as I'm learning, as my kids are getting more independent. We just did, <laughs> <laughs> we just did kindergarten night the other night, and I, you know, I'm like tearing up as I'm watching my son run around looking at his desk and stuff. Um, and you know, he's going to be going to full-time school next year. Um, and that's tough as a parent, watching them. You're know you you're not going to have as much control over their life, uh, but you just have to you know, be trusting that the values that you've instilled in them um, are going to remain there through those situations that they're going to be making with their friends and things like that.
0: Yeah, you know, that's, and this is one that I've continued to, and this is something I'm trying to work through actively with my kids and trying to find a balance in it. Um, I grew up in an extremely conservative family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you spoke of your parents being missionaries, or, or um, uh, Ashley's parents being missionaries, and um, we, we lived, I grew up in Japan. I was a missionary's kid and grew up in a very conservative home and in culture. And as a result, there was a lot of, or actually there was a lack of freedom and opportunity to learn to make choice. Now, you know, the, the, I guess the motive was ultimately pure in the sense that my parents were trying to bring me up in the way they believed was best and, um, and kind of help form me into this, this good human being, if you will. But the problem was that I was never given the opportunity or not a lot of opportunity and certainly not a lot of room, not only to learn to make choices for myself, but then to be okay in the mistakes that I made if I did make my own choices. And mm-hmm. um, and I know this this can look differently for you know, different stages of parenting. Obviously, you're not going to let your kids do certain things just because of their age at this point. But my son currently is 15. My daughter is 12, going on about 25 and, um, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> to give them both some room uh, and freedom and flexibility to make their own choices. Because I, what I realized after I left home, and this is something that I'm on a personal level uh, and have been really working through, particularly in the last three or four years, um, I've struggled with the notion of choice, uh, mm-hmm. learning how to make choices for myself. And I mean, it sounds crazy. I'm 37 years old, 38 later this year. Uh, but making choices for myself, being confident in them, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I wasn't raised in an environment that encouraged choices to be made. So, even down to something as simple as, "Hey, I don't want to wear a jacket today," I would have been told, "No, it's too cold. You put a jacket on." And a story. There wasn't any room and and uh, to make this make my own choice in that in that case. So translate that, you know, 20 years later or so, and I'm working with my kids and trying to give them freedom to make choices for themselves. And something as simple as, again, whether or not they wear a jacket when they go outside, I give them the the freedom to make that choice, but I also create this parameter, the structure in which they're not allowed to then complain, right? They have to own the consequences of their own choices. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is it's important. I mean, I different parents uh, and different cultures ultimately look at parenthood in different ways. Uh, For me personally, one of the things that I've realized, uh, at least for myself, is that really my most important job, outside of making sure my kids feel loved and making sure that uh, they are taken care of, is that I am creating awareness. It's not so much that I'm trying to protect them from everything. Obviously, if I see immediate harm to them physically or emotionally, psychologically, I want to do something about that. But my job my primary job is then to create awareness i teach them principles i teach them concepts and then they apply what they learn to whatever whatever they're going through in their life whether it's my son and his relationships his relationship with a girl or you know my daughter and and um just something is something as simple as how she maybe manages her her homework when she does her homework and how she gets that done in order to keep her grades at a certain level Um, But that's, that's been something that I've, I've been kind of, I guess, in a sense, struggling with, but trying to continue to work through and trying to find a balance. Because the last thing that I want to do, you spoke about innocence, is to give them so much freedom, especially my daughter. You know, I think about Mm -hmm. that innocent three-year-old and and those eyes just absolutely lit up because she didn't know any better, right? She's just happy. And Mm -hmm. um, the last thing that I want to do is give her so much freedom that she doesn't know what to do with. And then somehow that, that um, I don't know if it's innocent so much at this stage, but, but that that light uh, is sequestered. And uh, so I'm trying to learn to find a balance. And then I can absolutely empathize with with what you're going through in that. But I I read that trust your kids. And it was very compelling because I thought, how do you how do you trust your kids? They're four and five. But but I totally understand what you mean at this point. Take us to to point number three, though.
1: So point number three was just to be vulnerable with your children um, and have conversations with them about the ups and downs in life, because obviously we all share about the ups, you know, and, you know, life's great, all of this. And so I feel like growing up, I mean, I grew up in a great home, great parents, but it, it always seemed like, you know, it was just taught like, you know, things are going to be great, you know? And, um, and so it's just like sharing with your kids that things might not always be great. Uh, but this is how you work through things yeah. that may not be great. Uh, and, and kids, I, I noticed my son at least loves to know when I do things wrong, he's, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll try to fix me even, you know, and he'll be like, dad, you should probably have done this. And, uh, he's well, well beyond his years. You said your daughter, you know, is 12 going on 25. My son is like five going on 40 actually. So that's awesome. he, he is, uh, he's an old soul, but I mean, b- basically just being vulnerable with them and just being an open book with your kids. Now, obviously it's going to be different on their ages because I'm not going to divulge way too much information to my kids right now at sure. their ages. Their minds are probably not going to necessarily wrap around it, even though they might act like they understand. Um, but we, we even have even started talking about, you know, just those choices that friends are going to be making at school. Like if somebody ever offers you something, you know, like, you know, we start talking about drugs and say, somebody ever offers you, you know, something to eat or something, you know, like that, you know, don't do it. And this is why, and talk about how it can make your body feel funny. You know, all this, you know, stuff of how you have to, you know, dumb it down to their level. Right. But I would hear them hear it from me as their dad then you know one of their friends be like hey man try this it's actually going to make you feel amazing and then they try it you know and and that's not what I want that's not how I want them to learn um so just being vulnerable with them talking about the mistakes I made in my life um things that I had I've done in my life growing up and and just uh you know even let's say, you know say with work you know we book a amazing wedding you know um and, and, you know, out of state or, you know, out of the country. And, and, you know, we share that with them, that this is awesome that we get to go do this. But then when something bad happens with work, you know, talk to them about that. Um, and just say, hey, this is how we're working through this. I'm a little disappointed right now. That's why daddy's kind of in a bad mood. Um, but this is how I'm going to work through it. And this is how, you know, I'm going to get over it. So they can see the balance there. Um, that life's not all peachy king and that you do work through those things. And so maybe at a younger age that they'll start working through those things when they encounter them.
0: I love that. So this goes back to that idea of creating awareness, which is really awesome. I think transparency and and vulnerability makes just a massive difference. And I I speak from personal experience, not just – um, as a father, but as a son as well. Um, you know, my, I had, again, my relationship with my dad wasn't the strongest growing up. And one of the reasons for that was kind of that lack of uh, transparency, vulnerability, if you will, uh, on his part and connecting with me, uh, not that he didn't try and, and, but, but there was, uh, when, when you're willing to admit that you are wrong or that you have done something wrong, that you make mistakes that naturally just kind of relaxes the conversation, right? Or the potential for conversation and then encourages vulnerability. I remember uh, when my son, I think he was probably seven or so, um, maybe eight at the oldest. Uh, This was of course a number of years ago, seven, eight years ago. And and I I struggled with my temper back then. And um, I would, I would get upset about something. I'd raise my voice and, and then I'd go back to my kids and say, hey, look, you know, I, th- that, that was wrong of me to handle it that way or to talk that way. Um, mm-hmm. I was just having a tough day, but, you know, that's no excuse. I apologize for, uh, for yelling. Uh, and there was, in, in that, I guess, willingness to kind of drop, set my ego aside and admit that I was wrong. I, and, and even to this day, tr- continue to try to maintain um, that. That kind of vulnerability to my kids, I think that has helped encourage a an an open a line of communication with them um, that has helped our relationship. And and on a funny note, with that, my son, I did this two or three times, and uh, <laughs> I, I once again yelled and 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 uh, so obviously it took me a little bit to learn to to set aside this bad habit. But my son says to me, in response to me yelling, he says, "Dad." are you having a bad day today? <laughs> so he learned to kind of put two and two together. Dad had a bad day. Um, and, uh, and, then he, and then he raises his voice or he yells. Um, obviously not something that I'm proud of, but the fact that I was then willing to admit my wrong in that, of course, that's ultimately helping creating um, sensitivity on my part to my behavior. And that awareness translated to ultimately to a, to a change in behavior. But I think it makes a big difference. Had my dad been willing to um, not be perfect, or at least not maintain a an appearance of perfection, um, not only in the way that he lived, but also in what he told us to do, I, I think that that would have encouraged a much stronger relationship. And so I certainly try to do that with my kids, and, and it's really wonderful to hear that you're doing the same thing. I think that makes a, a massive difference. The other thing, too, that you mentioned that caught my attention, you, you, you mentioned similar, similar to what I was saying to my kids, you know, I'm I'm in a bad mood or I'm having a bad day. Um, the fact that you didn't just say that, because I think in our culture these days, there's a tendency to just kind of say, I'm having a bad day or I'm in Mm -hmm. a bad mood. Uh, or, you know, this is, this is just who I am. Um, and kind of leave it at that end on that point. But the fact that you're then, uh, coupling that with, but this is what I'm due to uh, doing to address it, where you take responsibility for that. And you're an example to your kids and taking responsibility, For changing whatever state you are in, I think that's a a wonderful example as well. So thanks for thanks for sharing that. And then number four, you said being willing to listen. Talk to talk to me about what that means.
1: Yeah, that one's a pretty simple one though. But I mean, it basically just talks about um, just trying to listen to your kids no matter what the story is. Because a lot of times, you know, they'll come. And uh, they'll tell me, Ella will tell me, you know, like her friend jumped off the slide at school and wanted to go on this whole elaborate story about like what game they were playing. And then her friend jumped off the slide and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I care. And and but to, but she cares about it. And it's important to her right now. So I don't want to be the one that's rejecting her at this young age, because you, I, I feel like later on in life, when those stories become more important, I do want her to talk to me about those things. Um, and I do want her to be able to bring those things to me and not feel rejected by me. Um, and so I, I try to make every effort, even though I don't want to. And sometimes, you know, I'll just be like, Oh, I, I don't want to listen to this right now. So I'm not perfect in this at all, but I, I'm just trying to, to take more of that listening role, um, as a dad and instead of, you know, just, you know, pushing her, her, her aside and saying, no, I'm not going to listen to you right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, and they just sense, a. Um, the fact that you're making them and what is important to them a priority, I think that's really great. It's something I struggle with too. Even at this stage, um, my, my kids are interested in different things than I am, and and that's just that's normal and that's natural. And you know, actually, I think I, I kind of, I don't know, I stress myself out a bit, a little bit uh, about making what they were doing just as important as anything that I was doing. And, and the reality is, we're all we're all individual human beings with interests, various varying interests and desires. Um, I don't think we have to go to that extent, but at the least, being willing to sit and listen and and genuinely make an effort to um, show interest in uh, what they're doing, I think is a is a big deal. And then you know the occasional effort to to then join in with whatever it is that they're interesting interested in, I think kind of takes things to a whole different level. And it's not even like it takes that much effort. Um, yeah. I I just have to I have to set my laziness aside and and just make the effort in it, and it makes a big, it's a big deal to them, very simply. So I, I think that's a really, that's a really, really important recommendation and advice. And then take us to the last one. You are talking about comforting them, but not fixing them. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So that one kind of goes, you know, along with the being willing to listen and, um, and just be willing to, to be there for them instead of trying to fix their solution. And this is one that i I said was the most important. And I said, it's the most important for me because I'm, this is the one I suck at the most. Um, especially within, you know, my own marriage and as a dad, I'm I'm constantly trying to fix people. I'm trying to fix my wife. I'm trying to fix my kids. Um, I don't know if that's just, you know, my Type A personality, or if that's just guys in general um, that we try to do that a lot of times. Um, but I, I need to take a step back and say, you know, what, I, I'm not going to fix this situation. I just need to listen, and I just need to uh, be there and say I understand because that's that's ultimately what they need to hear is, you know, I understand that, that, you know, what they did, they probably know, you know, maybe nine times out of 10 that what they did maybe wasn't right. Um, and so there's probably no reason for me to sit there and fix them in that moment. Now, later on, uh, we can maybe talk about, you know, hey, these are some parameters, you know, do not get yourself back in that situation again. Um, but, but in that moment, it's not, it's not time for me to try to fix in that moment. It's time for me just to, to be there and comfort them. And just give them positive affirmation in that moment.
0: That's, and again, wonderful advice. And, and it really can be difficult to do. And I totally understand what you're talking about, wanting to fix the situation. Uh, I think to the opposite extreme, there is a tendency, kind of going back to our, just looking at our culture in 2017, there is a tendency to uh, do a lot of complaining without a willingness to then do something about it. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. there's always a, 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 a we'll, we'll use the cliche term again, there's always a balance there of some mm-hmm. kind, but, but, I, but what you're saying absolutely resonates with me. I know it's something that I need to uh, do uh, to continue to work at, which is just to be, just to listen. And this holds true, of course, not just in a relationship with her kids, but any relationship, any personal relationship that we're in, and even in some business relationships, too. Not to, not to jump to try to fix something or jump to try to criticize, uh, but just to listen and be empathetic. And uh, I know this has been a struggle of mine over the years, and it's something that I've worked really, really hard on over the last few years and we'll continue to work on. But this is this is really wonderful advice. I, I really can't thank you enough for being willing to to share this with us, talking about transparency and vulnerability. You did just that on the blog post, and I appreciate you sharing in more detail today, too. How would you say this translates to what you've been learning um, in this relationship with your kids, and particularly finding balance and kind of letting go a little bit, but then also still trying to protect them? How has that translated to, or has it translated to, your business and the way that you run your business?
1: I think it has because I think a lot of the times within our business even I'm learning like I said at the beginning, I'm learning a lot from my kids because um, before I had kids, I didn't have that um, that teaching uh, avenue, I guess you will to to step into um, and and now within my own marriage, you know with my wife, I'm looking at my business and saying, you know, I, I'm going down to that number five where, you know, I don't need to fix my wife in this situation. You know, maybe, you know, I wanted this email answered yesterday. Did it get answered yesterday? And then, you know, it's another day now. I just need to, you know, listen to hear why she didn't get it done and just be there to comfort her through whatever reason there was. Um, but, and so I think within our business at home in, in our home work life balance, it has helped a lot. Um, and my kids have really been teaching me just to have more patience um, cause I'm, I'm more of a, I'm willing to, to snap before I, at something before I am just to listen. And, and so I think within our business as a whole, it's really been able to allow me to take a step back and, and see, uh, the bigger picture in things. And, and that's really helped me a lot.
0: That's wonderful. And and that, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've sensed this, I sense this about you and have uh, kind of over the time that, that I've known you is, is that, um, tendency to be introspective. I I love that about you. I think, um, well, and I certainly have a lot of respect uh, for that in you. I think that's a really wonderful thing. The fact that you're then able to translate these lessons that you're learning on a personal level in your relationships with your kids to the way that you're running your business. And of course, your relationship with your wife and business partner. I think that's really powerful. That's something that we can certainly learn from. And uh, so I appreciate that example, Nathan. Thanks so much for being willing to Share this uh, with us today on the podcast. Can you just share with our listeners where uh, they can find your website, your blog, where you wrote this, and, and then, of course, where they can find you on Instagram?
1: Yeah, so um, my Instagram for all of our family stuff is actually Siner underscore dad. Um, and so I'll post a lot of our kids outings, things like that, to that Instagram account. And then, um, our website is the signers.com looks like the sinners, but it's actually the signers. So <laughs> it's sinners minus one N. So it's our last name. So it's the signers.com and then our blog is the signers.com backslash blog. And you can go down and click on work from home parent, um, is one of the tabs that we have on there. Um, just t- and we have other articles just on there talking about just different, um, work-home-life balance things that we've experienced. Uh, we're definitely not experts, and it definitely takes a lot of practice, and we're still practicing it to this day. So anybody out there listening, uh, we don't have it all together. We're not going to act like we have it all together. Um, and, um, and we just hope that this would help anybody uh, out there just to take the next step forward within your own business and within your, your own family life.
0: That's beautiful. And this has been certainly encouraging and, and exemplary. And uh, I just I can't thank you enough, Nate, for making the time to come on today. Thanks so much. And uh, it, certainly wish you the best uh, this year, not only in your business, but in your family life as well.
1: Thanks so much. You too.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.